what we're going to do here. If you have your Bible, if you would, please, let's uh, take it together. Are you thankful to have the Word of God? Amen. Amen. Let's take our Bible together as we say our Bible decree. Let's hold it nice and high. If you have your, your Samsung, your iPhone, your iPad, whatever it might be that you're seeking the Word, that's fine as well. Let's just claim it together and give it all to God. This is my Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I will hide its words in my heart that I might not sin against God. We'll be reading today out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Some people say 2 Corinthians, and every time I say that, my wife laughs. But I just have to say it. I I thought the big, you know, scholarly... uh, theologians of all times always say, please turn in your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And uh, so I thought I would just kind of do the same thing. This morning, we're starting a series that I'm creating and, and, and doing called Unstoppable God and Our Unstoppable Faith. And I believe that this is a time when I think it's so vital yet valuable to discuss just how unstoppable our God is. Can I just start off with John 3.16 this morning, where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. In Luke chapter 24, right before, because we're, we're finishing out the, the Easter season here in April, And we've just embarked upon the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, as I said last week, when Jesus appeared, uh, as He ascended from the tomb, and He started His earthly journey back doing miracles and speaking to people, He was able to enter to the upper room where many of the disciples were at. And as you heard me say last week, where your face goes is where your affection or focus is turn, goes. So where your face is turned is where your affection goes, is where your attention goes. Be very, very careful where you put your focus. And Jesus ended up uh, appearing to the disciples there in Luke, and he gets ready to ascend. And as he gets in there, he starts to show them his hands and his feet and, and uh, the just the scar where the... the Spear went into his side. And I started to see this unfold as God revealed this to me this morning in his word. And and I thought, how amazing is it that there isn't anything in this world that could hold our Savior in. There isn't anything in this world that could try to control the finale of of our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And as he was in that room, they lost a little bit of who he was. They thought that their God that they served was stoppable. They thought and they believed and they started to believe that once he went in the grave that he was dead forever. And when he appeared, he said, hold on a minute, do you see who I am? You see, because my Father God is the Holy One who rose me from the grave. I and my Father are one. And he said, do you guys have anything to eat? you guys have like fillets or baked potatoes or anything? They said, no meat today, just fish. And so Jesus supped with them. 
But I loved that it just didn't stop there. That it continued. And that this unstoppable God said, oh, it's not going to just stop here on this earth. I'm going to raise you again and I'm going to let all the disciples see what the resurrection's about. And it says that Jesus reached out his arms and he ascended into heaven. Hallelujah. Are you thankful for the resurrection? Say this with me. He is an unstoppable God. He is an unstoppable God. Because he didn't just stop there. He wanted them to see, to believe. But why is God always doing that for us? He wants us to see. He's so tangible. He wants us to to increase in our faith and to realize that we're not limited, that we have the power of Almighty God within us. That Jesus didn't stay in the grave, that He rose the third day to give us a hope, a future. Jeremiah 29, 11 says He didn't come to harm us, but to give us a hope. So this morning, as I start this series on this unstoppable God, as you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I want to read this to you this morning. And I find it interesting here that it talks about God's power in the ministry. But if you look in Luke chapter 24, the latter part of Luke, here's what he said. I want you to continue to go and preach remission of sins. That was his commandment. I want you to spread the gospel. I want you to continue to keep spreading the gospel. What's the gospel? The gospel is Jesus Christ who came, who died, and gave us hope, and we can accept him as Lord and Savior. That's the hope that we have in our risen Savior. So we're here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and it says there, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry as we have, and I'm going to refer back to the King James Version as well as the New Living Translation, so you'll see me correlate both of them this morning. But it says, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced that hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but the manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost. In verse 4, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. Lest the light of this glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power, go ahead and circle that, that the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Verse 10 says, always bearing about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered into death for Jesus' sake. That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. I love that. Woo, that's good. That the life of Jesus might take residence, be manifest, be evident in our flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life is in you. 
We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God. Verse 16 says, For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Now listen how Paul spells it out in verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I want you to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. Now, if you look at verse 18, it says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sins against his own body. He says, What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. For we are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now take and go over to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. And he that keepeth his commandment dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abides in us by the Spirit which he hath given us. Isn't that amazing? He abides in us. He takes residence in us. What makes him an unstoppable God? What do you think of when you hear the word unstoppable? A couple of years ago, a popular business magazine came out with an article called 30 Behaviors of Unstoppable People. Is that even possible? Are there any true unstoppable people in the world? I've known some people who thought they were unstoppable, at least on some level. Uh, I know yesterday evening, my son-in-law, who's uh, up here probably got his little, his little finger in ice. Let's all do it together. One, two, three. Okay. He thought he was unstoppable when he was over at the bouncy ball club and bouncy ball, bouncy air things, whatever it was with with trampoline. And thought he could do some slam dunks. And I've tried to tell him before, when you're 30, I know you're trying to show off to your three-year-old little daughter. But again, there's consequences. Oh, just as why. Yeah, that's... Okay, so Caitlin said he was successful and she was very impressed. Wow. So, no pain, no gain. I'm sorry. But the word... Now, think about this. But when the word cancer entered their vocabulary... Or for people that felt they were unstoppable. Or their wife left or the bottom fell out financially. Or their illegal behavior finally caught up with them and they were on their way to prison. 
suddenly those who thought they were unstoppable got stopped in their tracks. But still we hear about those who are supposedly unstoppable. In the world of sports, it could be a winning team, it could be a winning player, or even a winning coach. In the world of music and entertainment, it might be a popular person who has demonstrated a high level of success. And they seem to be virtually unstoppable when it comes to making hit songs, packing out stadiums, or achieving some other level of success. In the business world, we have all seen companies that seem to keep winning over and over again. They seem to be unstoppable when it comes to technology, innovation, or profits. But here's the truth, church, and I want you to listen. Every sports dynasty, every successful business, every legendary icon, every diva, every athlete, and every entertainer will eventually fade. The only truly unstoppable force in this world comes from God. God's creation God's church, God's purpose, and God's people. The Spirit of God is what makes us unstoppable. Amen? The Spirit of God is what makes us unstoppable. Now you say, but Pastor, I know we were reading here, and I'm going to break it down for you, but didn't it say that right there in the Scriptures that we have power, that the Holy Spirit wants to manifest itself, that it wants to take residence and precedent over your life, that it wants to abide in you, that your body is the holy temple of God, that we shouldn't defile it. He says, if my people, he was telling the Israelites, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, I will heal their land. When we humble ourselves and we realize that this temple isn't ours, that it's God, that we separate ourselves from what the world has to offer and we abide in the holiness and we walk in light versus darkness, then we start to have fellowship with the Father. How great is it that many of us can come together and know that we can be challenged because we serve the Spirit of God who dwells in us and we serve an unstoppable God. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. I pray that in the next few minutes that you'll just challenge us within your word. Lord, hide me behind the cross in your shadows. God, help me to speak to the hearts and souls by which this message was intended. And Lord, we pray that no matter what, we'll walk away feeling hope, not hanging on at the end of our rope, but realize that we are victors and not victims, that we are winners and we're not whiners, that God, there is hope in a resurrected Christ. Thank you, Lord, for being with us today. Thank you for this holy word. Thank you for the sweet spirit in this, fellow, in this church and the fellowship of your children. And God's people said, Amen. So today we're going to learn from a man who had every reason to give up. And who was that? His name was Paul. We are headed, as you see, through a journey in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. As we look behind the scenes at just this amazing Christian. See, the Apostle Paul faced all kinds of opposition in his life. Even though he faced opposition on every side, Paul remained unstoppable. Paul had people who were saying that his teaching was weak. They accused him of being dishonest and of corrupting God's word. People were hurtful and unappreciative saying he lacked integrity. They beat him with sticks threw rocks at him, and even left him for dead. Nobody would have blamed Paul for choosing a different career path, would we? But church, I'm here to to tell you this morning, Paul didn't quit. He never gave up. He kept pressing on. 
Paul possessed certain qualities that we all need to help us keep going on when the going gets tough. So this morning, I'm going to give you quickly just a few, maybe a few more than that, maybe six, qualities of the Apostle Paul and what he possessed. Number one, he had unstoppable determination. Paul had an unstoppable heart for God. In 2 Corinthians, we could see here in, in, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Therefore, since God in His mercy has given us this new way, we never give up. Apart from the mercy of God, Paul saw himself undeserving. He is saying, I am unworthy to do what God has called me to do. And when a person begins to think that they deserve a position or a status or a ministry, that always leads to conflict and the temptation to say, What? I quit. I'm done. It's over with. Many of us can say, I quit because I deserve to be treated better than this. I quit because I am unappreciated. I quit because I'm not getting the credit I deserve, or the best, you ready for this one? Or the pay I deserve. Paul knows right here he deserves nothing. Why does he even feel this way? I think his letter to Timothy provides insight for all of us, which is found in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 13. He said, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. Paul knew who he was. He remembered where he came from. When he says we never give up, he is saying we don't quit because we know that we don't even deserve to be part of God's ministry in the first place. It is exact opposite of the entitlement mindset that so many possess today. And Paul was saying, I cannot, I cannot help but serve God and love God and do whatever he wants me to do, including going through tough challenges where people oppose me criticize and attack. I understand. I know. I have felt it. I know what it's like. When we pick up the cross of Christ church, we must realize that the cost is real. Paul said, there will be suffering, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Don't you worry. Don't you worry about a pandemic. Don't you worry about what you're going through. You put your faith and trust in me. I am the unstoppable God. I'm here for you. I'm not against you. For I'm God. But I love what Paul did there. He showed a sense of humility. He was humbled. He had the unstoppable heart for God. How many of you would say this morning that I have an unstoppable heart for God? How many of you would say this morning that, yes, my heart is solely sold out for him and separated for him. My life is for him. Listen, we can come to church. We can, we can stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. We can say the cheers. We can do the things. But listen, church, if you don't have a deep, deep relationship with Jesus Christ, where is that fellowship with him? Don't just come and practice church. Come and be the church. Practice that intimacy on a daily basis. God gave him his ministry and he was going to do it no matter what. This is not the result of sheer grit and determination. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. He was a man on a mission. He had unstoppable determination. 
A second trait that I absolutely love, and that's number two, is unstoppable integrity. But I'm just going to, I'm going to, you can put that, thanks Pastor Luke. Unstoppable integrity, but let me, let me show you something. If you've determined to do something, how many of you would say, I have determined and I have achieved it? Many of us in this room, right? You've set goals and you've achieved those goals. But think about just something so simple. If you want to achieve greater goals, then have determination to abide in Christ, to live in Christ, to walk in Christ, to pray with Christ, to live your life in Christ. You know what Christian means? That you're a Christ follower. That Jesus Christ dwells and lives and presides and abides within you. Let's make it personal. And then once you do that, then we realize that we have unstoppable integrity. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, we reject all shameful deeds and un- underhanded methods. We don't try to trick anyone or distort the word of God. We tell the truth before God and all who are honest know this. Watch what happened. Paul performed his job God's way. He cried out his ministry with integrity. He worked like he was working directly for God. He recognized God as his supervisor. Paul knew his job was to deliver God's word accurately, clearly, and effectively. Even if people didn't like what they heard. Why? Because he had unstoppable integrity. Some of you may not know this, but Paul was once spiritually blind. Early on in his life, he thought he was serving God when he was persecuting Christians and opposing everything that God was doing. He was single-handedly trying to destroy the church. Paul was the number one persecutor of the church. He was a dangerous dude. But one day, Paul was struck by the bright light of God's truth. It happened on the road to Damascus. God showed up in Paul's life in a way that he had never experienced before. He began seeing things from an entirely different perspective. Like all of us, he was blind. But now he can see. Satan wants to keep us in the dark. He doesn't want you to experience the light and love of Christ, but Paul allowed God to open his eyes. I love the word integrity. Because the word integrity means strong morals, strong ethics. He walked with the Lord. I got saved at 9. Baptized at 13. Surrendered to preach at 15. Life has been difficult. It's been real difficult. And are you guys warm in here? Are you all comfortable? Praise the Lord. I just want to make sure because 32 of you are sleeping this morning. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Paul, much like Paul, when when I was saved at nine and surrendered at 15, I knew then that my life wouldn't be easy. From peer pressure in high school, from a hard life in my adult life, who would ever think that persecution would come from other Christians? Who would ever think that persecution comes from I just went dead. But I have another mic. So let me say this to you. Where there's integrity, there's a sold-out person that God can then start to use 
in his life. And even though I suffered a lot, and the suffering's not over. Do you know we're in a pandemic? And in that pandemic, now they're suffering. You should have been a nicer Christian. So should have you. Have you been judged yet? I have been. Are you not using your brain? What are you doing? See, that's right here, right now. This is what we're going through. But I know that I have to stay true to the word. I have to stay true to the message. I have to stay stay true to my integrity and understand that I've got to continue to do the, the work of the Lord. I want you to look around. Whoever's around you, I want you to look at them and say, it is great to see you today. Do you know why it's great to see everybody today? Because we need to be in church. Because we need to have that level of unstoppable integrity. We need Christ to help us walk that straight and narrow path. Amen. Number three here, it says unstoppable humility. Paul recognized God as his source. In, in 2 Corinthians, there in chapter 4, verse 5, it says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. If Paul was full of himself and pride looking to build a following for himself, then he would have preached about himself instead of Christ. He never exalted himself. He did not preach Paul. He proclaimed Jesus Christ is Lord. That is the gospel in a nutshell. Ultimately, that is the declaration that all of us will make someday. In Philippians chapter 2, it tells us that one of these days, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? The focus of Paul's preaching was Christ. He pointed people to Jesus. Go like this. You know what you're doing? You're saying he's number one. And you're also pointing people up. When we praise the Lord, we don't go down, we go up. Right? So, up to Jesus. Down to Satan. Do I need to practice? Because you guys are looking at me crazy. Up to Jesus. Down to Satan. Seriously. I used to teach that when I was a youth pastor to youth. Because I said, listen. We're about proclaiming the, G- we're about proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it isn't about down here. It's about everything up here. And we need to realize that he is Jesus Christ. That he is Lord. And Paul knew that. Ultimately, that is a declaration that all of us need to continue to make in our life. The focus of Paul's preaching was Christ. When you witness, tell people about what Christ has done and not about your abilities and accomplishments. People need to know Jesus more than they need to know us. Amen? People need to know Jesus more than they need to know us. People need to know Jesus more than they need to know us. And the message of salvation is found... In Jesus Christ. But it has been entrusted by God to frail, infallible human beings. Much like us. Knowing that the power is his and not ours and keep us from being prideful. It should also motivate us to stay connected to our power source. Our responsibility is to let people see God through us. And do people see God through you? It was in verse 6 that God said, For God who said, Let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. I love this reference because this reference is much like the reference of the creation story. 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the the earth was without form. There was darkness everywhere. Then God said, let there be light. And there was. Before God transforms us, our lives are just like the earth before God went to work. We were dark. We were lifeless and without form. But when the light of Christ comes shining into our lives and the person who receives that message becomes a new creation, a new day is dawn. The old is gone and the new has come. Here's the fact. The good news is revealed to every one of us, but some of us refuse to believe it. Some refuse to believe it. They reject the light and choose to remain in the darkness. Satan, the god of this world, that's small g, works to deceive and blind and destroy everyone that he possibly can. Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. He uses the enticement of power, pleasure, and success to blind people to the light of Christ's good news. And when we opt out our own selfish pursuits over Christ, we have unknowingly made Satan our God. So then Paul went on to say in verse 4 there, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing in this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Do you understand what jars of clay were? Jars of clay were fast food containers of the day anyhow. They were cheap, ordinary, and easy to replace. Jars of clay would just last just a few years. You could find water, maybe olive oil, or even leftovers stored in clay jars. No one paid much attention to clay jars. They were everywhere. Clay jars were common, but watch, they were frail, weak, and easily broken. And these clay jars are just like us. But this highly valued treasure, God's mercy, his love, and his grace is stored in these ordinary jars of clay what's on the inside is what makes us valuable what's on the inside is what makes us valuable paul had unstoppable humility see it's not about todd it's about god and as we continue to grow in christ this ministry isn't about todd it's about god your salvation isn't about Your pastor, it isn't about Todd, it's about God. Your walk in Christ isn't about Todd, it's about God. We come to church to be challenged by the word. We come to church to be encouraged by the word. We come to church to be convicted by the word so that we change who we are and we put aside our pride and say, God, here I am. Use me, mold me, remake me, reshape me, help me to be more like you. Paul said, listen, I know who I am, but I know whose I am in Christ. Paul had unstoppable humility. Number four, unstoppable life. See if this fires you up. It says here in verse 8 and 9, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Woo, that's like a message in itself. Yeah, that's just great. Jesus went through the cross to get to the resurrection. Do you hear me? Jesus went Through the cross to get to the resurrection, Jesus died and went to the grave, but he came out in a resurrection power. Paul is not sugarcoating life here. He's being honest to say it has been hard. And here's what he's saying. Now, now follow me. We have been pressed hard on every side. 
I have been perplexed. I've been persecuted. I've been struck down. He admits that being a Christian can be tough. How many of you believe that? It's so much easier. Man, there's so much pleasure to this world. It's just, it feeds us. But when we start to see that even though the pressures of life come on, notice what Paul starts to say. It's the unstoppable quality of Paul's life here. He says, I've been hard-pressed, but I'm not crushed. I've been perplexed, but not in despair. I've been persecuted, but not abandoned. I've been struck down, but I've not been destroyed. He's basically saying, I've been knocked down, but I've not been knocked out. Why did Paul go through this? Because he says here in verse 10 in the scriptures, through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Paul was willing to suffer for Christ. Why? He did it so that the life of Jesus might be revealed. The Spirit of God paired with these powerful characteristics are what made Paul unstoppable. Church, you have potential. God created you for greatness. What stops you hinders you. What stops you hinders you. So I'm speaking this over your life. I want you to go and I want you to grow. That's exactly what Paul said here. And then number five, he possessed an unstoppable faith. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus so that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. So we live in the face of death, but this has resulted in eternal life for each and every one of us. This has resulted in eternal life for you. But we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith that the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. And in verses 11 through 15, it says, all of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. This passage here is actually known as the great exchange. In verse 12, we are told that, the, that Christ died, that we might live. Christ died, that we might live. Jesus gave up his life for our sake so that we might come alive. He became poor so that we could become rich. How many of you know, remember the name George Mueller? Does anybody in here know George Mueller? A couple people in here, awesome. He provided for thousands of orphans. When asked how he was able to accomplish so much with all the challenges that he faced, he hung his head and said, there was a day when I died. Then he hung it even lower and said, when George Mueller died to Christ. Have you done that? When was the last time you died to yourself? When was the last time you died to yourself? Have you ever died to yourself? Have you? Paul reminded us that Though we may think we are at the end of our rope, as followers of Jesus, we are never at the end of our hope. Our perishable bodies are subject to sin and suffering, but God never abandoned us. Because Christ has won the victory over death, we have eternal life. 
All our risks, humiliations, and trials are opportunities for Christ to demonstrate his power and presence in and through us. So I've been wondering, I've been thinking, could you and I handle the suffering and opposition that Paul had? Could many of us handle the suffering and opposition that Paul did? The success syndrome is a great enemy of effective ministry today. And from an earthly perspective, Paul was very, very successful. Like Paul, we must carry out ministry looking to God for strength. But where do you find the strength anyways? When opposition, slander, and disappointment threaten to rob you of the victory, remember that no one can destroy what God has accomplished and is accomplishing in and through you. Jesus said it like this in John 12. I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Paul was unstoppable because of his unstoppable determination, his unstoppable integrity, his unstoppable level of humility, which enabled him to live an unstoppable life with an unstoppable faith, which finally leads us to an unstoppable future. In verse 16 and 17, that is why we never give up. We never give up, church. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Far too often, people quit because they lose perspective. They lose hope and the future doesn't nor look or will be any better. All they see are the problems that are Right in front of them. So Paul was encouraging the church. And here's what he said. Never give up. Say this with me. Don't quit. Was that great miming? We were right on that. We don't lose heart. Even though we are facing light momentary troubles. They're nothing compared to the reality of what is waiting for us in eternity. Yeah. We may be wasting away outwardly. But spiritually, we are being renewed day by day. And Paul sees his trouble as light and momentary. We think our problems are going to last forever. Sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? That they're never going to go away. That it's just a constant. Paul saw his problems as speed bumps on the road called life. Many of us need to do that. Instead of just the speed bumps and the holes, it's not just that. It's sometimes, even if they're hurdles, we know that. God can help us. Life takes on new meaning when we gain the eternal perspective. So let's look at verse 18 and then we'll conclude. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things we cannot, cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. As believers, we live by faith and not by... Our visible world is only temporary what we see will not last forever what we cannot see that is what will last forever paul was knocked down but he was not knocked out these traits paired with powerful presence of the holy spirit are what made paul unstoppable so how about you church are you unstoppable is the power of god at work in you 
Are you allowing his strength to be perfected in your weakness? And let me say this as I close. Maybe you feel like you're ready to give up and quit in some area of your life. If so, this morning I would like to pray with you. I'd also like to pray for you. I believe some are ready for the clay jar of your life to be filled with the powerful presence of God's Spirit. For that to happen, you must be willing to die to yourself. You see, I cannot be filled with the Spirit of God until I am empty of the Spirit of Todd. Does that make sense? I have to be willing to die to myself. That's how you live with unstoppable faith. Paul gave us a powerful reminder that should encourage all of us. He says this, listen, therefore, my dear brothers, I want you to stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. We're living in a war zone. We are fighting a spiritual battle. We shouldn't be surprised when life gets hard. There is a roaring lion on the loose. He is wreaking havoc on everyone he can. Oh, but church, you see, he's running out of time. But right now he will do whatever he has to do to discourage and defeat God's people. He plays dirty. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But we are not alone. God is with us. He will never leave us. He provides the power to live an unstoppable life of faith. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. Of self-discipline. And listen, church, you don't have to be a casualty of this war we are in. Be reminded today, sincere Christ followers are victors. They're not victims. The battle's already won. We are winners. We're not whiners. That is because Jesus won the ultimate victory on the cross when he defeated sin, death, hell, and the grave. And that is why we are unstoppable. So what do we need to do? Let's pray, church, for the strength to be unstoppable. I love the, the lyrics to this song we sung today. Unstoppable God, let your glory go on and on. Impossible things in your name, they shall be done. Nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore because Jesus our God is unstoppable. Church, when you start a ministry with a music stand a CD player and people standing around on a deck and the lawnmower going next door and God can provide a million dollar property for $125,000. He's an unstoppable God. Now I'm going to make this personal. Why have you limited him? Why have you limited our God? Where's your faith? Now stop. Now listen. And then I'm done. Make this personal for you. I know I went through those points quickly, but where's your faith? How many of you believe that God can deliver you from the sin that you're in? That's what this is about. Yeah, putting all the other hoopla aside, listen, we're at a place where churches should be packed full and revival should be taking place, but Christians are running scared. They're running afraid. We're going to find out 
and it could be very, very soon, who truly is a follower of Jesus Christ, who has picked up the cross of Christ to follow him. Because I will tell you that there are people in the church that will persecute other people because they don't believe in an unstoppable God. Well, that was just the beginning. We were just here in the introduction of what God's going to do in the next several several chapters of this story of new hope. We're going to see lives changed. We're going to see people saved. We're going to see people baptized. We're going to see deliverance. We're going to start to see people change because we serve an unstoppable God. A God that will heal us from deep inside. Listen to me. If you're dealing with a hurt, a hang-up, or habit, you need to come to God today and let go of it. You've been holding on to because you're, it's your pride. You want to have control of it. Well, church, I'm here to tell you, as long as you have control of it, you're out of control. Give it to God. Let go. Let God. See, when we let go of things, we then reach out and allow God to embrace us and pull us out from where we're at. Have you ever been sinking? Have you ever been out in water and you start to just sink to the bottom? You do something that's very common. You start to paddle to the top of the water and then you reach up to grab a hold of something, right? And if there isn't anything there that holds us up, then we do what? We sink. Well, Jesus Christ is there to grab a hold of you. He needs to be your lifesaver, your lifeline. We've limited him. He's unstoppable. And our God wants to make your life better, not bitter. Let go of the pain. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the toxic relationship you've been in. Let go of your pride and just humble yourself before Almighty God and let Him do a work in you because it says in the song, nothing shall be impossible. Your kingdom reigns unstoppable. We'll shout your praise forevermore. Jesus, our God, you are unstoppable. Amen. Let's give Him a praise this morning. Let's rise to our feet. As we close, let everybody rise to their feet. Let's pray and ask God to just really revive us, reignite us. Let's just reach out and have him deliver us this morning. Father, we love you and we thank you that, Lord, we can come before you. That, Lord, you're not limited in your favor, in your grace, in your mercy. You don't stop us from increasing. God, you give the increase. So this morning, we just thank you that we are here, that, Lord, there's a message for each and every one. Father, help us to decrease as you increase. God, help us to be more like you, less like us. Father, help us to just be humble in our walk. And God, we just ask that you will please just be with us. Change us. For those that are in this room, Father, we ask that you would bind Satan in the name of Jesus Christ. Deliver them today. This morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there somebody here that's dealing with something that's just been, you feel like, man, it's been keeping you from, from moving forward? Raise your hand. Let me pray with you. Amen, 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 amen. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Oh, God, I pray that right now in the name of Jesus, help us to to run in victory. Help us to just Lord, realize just how great you are. I love what Paul said. We don't have to be perplexed, persecuted. We don't have to feel a sense of defeat. Lord, you're with us. God, you'll deliver us. 
So in the name of Jesus, I pray for deliverance today in the lives of so many that are in this room. God, even for those unspoken that people didn't raise their hand. God, you know who they are. You know the hearts of your people. So God, we trust you today. Deliver us today. Lord, heal us today. We thank you, Lord, for your provisions in our life. And we trust you. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. The altar call is open for you. If you want to come this morning, you come. But let God work in your life. Because listen, church, you're no longer slaves to your past. Walk in light. Be the light. Let go of the darkness. He wants to deliver you today. Let's sing together.